Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Alex Kazora joins us. Long, long time friend of Macatrillo's. Alex, welcome. Hey, don't remind me, Steve, of how long I've known Catrillo. I should get some, some compensation for that. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Were you in the wedding party? I was, yeah. I, I, it was a nice wedding. I'm not going to be too mean to Catrillo today. I'll try to be but, nice on this Friday. Yeah, it was a great wedding. But you were in the wedding party. Yeah, I was. Right? I was there, Catrillo. Yes, while. you were there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, who was the best man at the wedding? Well, that was my best friend Jeff from uh, from high school. Yeah, good for Jeff. Finally, best man at something. Uh, so, um, <laughs> man, I think it's kind of a slap at you, Alex. Don't you think? No, I was okay with it. I was more than okay to allow someone else to uh, to be the best man. Oh, okay, good. Well, okay, as long as, as long as everything's copacetic. Uh, Let's get to the Steelers, even though the stories about Catrillo are more entertaining than watching the Steelers play right now. Um, if you had, When you look at T.J. Watt being out, A, what has the domino effect been, and does he play this weekend? Well, I can answer that second question quicker than the first. Yes, he will play. Watt confirmed that to reporters today. He'll officially be activated off of injured reserve uh, by no later than tomorrow, which will be the deadline for that. So he will play and probably play his usual uh, complement of snaps. The domino effect has been huge. I mean, I can give you just the the brass tacks on the numbers. In the one game with T.J. Watt this year, week one, the Steelers had seven sacks in the seven games Without T.J. Watt, they had a combined eight sacks. I mean, the, 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 it's a night and day difference there. The one and six this season without T.J. Watt and, and the domino effect there had been, you know, on third downs, you saw the offensive line, the opposing yeah. O-line slide to Cam Hayward to take him away, minimize his impact. Pittsburgh in certain games has had the blitz more often, which leaves their secondary more prone to getting beat and losing matchups. The way Pittsburgh has kind of built their defense the last couple of years has been they actually have blitzed a lot less. And the idea has been rush four, drop seven in the coverage, still get after the quarterback, protecting yourself in the back end. And that's not been the plan and the recipe this year. The pressure rate has really tanked. The sacks have obviously gone down, and that hasn't allowed the defense to play as chaotic and physical and um, creating the splash plays they're accustomed to. So uh, Watt's return will be huge. It'll simplify this defense. It'll allow Pittsburgh to use less people to try to compensate for T.J. Watt. They're running so many different personnel groupings and assignments and alignments and things like that to try to make up for the loss of Watt that will really kind of get that, uh, Pittsburgh back to what they do best, playing fast, playing physical, and getting after the quarterback. Uh, could he be on a pitch count? He said no. I mean, you try telling T.J. Watt to come off the field on a third down, you know. So, I mean, there may be a, a, a little element of that given the conditioning uh, aspect, obviously, but I expect Watt to play uh, close to his usual amount okay. of snaps. All right. So, that, I mean, that's a plus. They'll need that. Um, offensively, where has Kenny Pickett progressed and where have there been concerns? Yeah, that progression, I mean, that story is still being written to an extent. I mean, I don't think the moment's been too big for Kenny Pickett, which really isn't the shock. I mean, he's 24 years old. He was a five-year guy at Pitt. He's more mature and advanced than a lot of these underclassmen that typically become first-round picks. And so I think he's been a leader. I think he's kind of been forced into that role, although it's natural to him. But this offense has really 
dying for people to to to, to turn turn towards and, and look towards and try to you know get them through this extremely rough patch in terms of where he has to work on i mean it's a lot of the things we quarterbacks have to deal with um reading things post snap whenever that picture changes when safeties rotate and guys and, and defensive spin coverage um working on pocket presence and not trying to bail and and use your legs too much in wrong situations and obviously just overall very nuts and bolts of football too many interceptions eight picks only two touchdowns in the three games he's played start to finish they're averaging under nine points per game not going to win many games that way that's not all on him there's context to some of those issues the interceptions aren't all his fault but bottom line is you got to put more points on the board got to cut down on the takeaways if you want this offense in the season to try to turn around every once in a while though alex you'll see a play where you know it's total inexperience. And I'll go back to the Miami game. Uh, late in the Miami game, he threw an interception, and the safety was an eight-year veteran, absolutely, completely baited him into that throw. And that's just, you know, he's experienced, and the guy throwing it isn't. I mean, that's one. But that was one where you sat back and went, okay, you're a rookie. <laughs> 100%. And, and, yeah, that was Javon Holland, who's a great safety that, that certainly Pickett was stuck on that, that read to Deontay Johnson through late, and you find out pretty quickly in college, you may get away with throwing late, not in the NFL, not against a, a safety as good as Javon Holland and paid the price there. So certainly Pickett has to clean some of that stuff up. And, again, that's some of that post-snap picture. I think Holland rotated down on that play from a deep look to coming down underneath the kind of rob and lurk and, and jump that route. And so being able to adjust to that, probably one of the bigger things I'm watching. And then Pickett just simply has to be better in the red zone. This whole team has to be better in the red zone, but getting points is, is scarce enough. Uh, from a quarterback rating perspective, he is the worst quarterback in football inside the 20. That, of course, has to change. What does the loss of Chase Claypool through trade mean? I mean, it hurts him to some degree. Obviously, anytime you take one of your starting receivers off the table, but it just Chase Claypool did not have a fit in this offense. He was drafted to be an outside, vertical, Z-type receiver who would win with big plays downfield. Really didn't become that guy. Um, he's got the height, weight, speed, but really doesn't separate all that well. Tries to win contested, but didn't really play to his size consistently. Pittsburgh this year bumps him inside to the slot to replace Juju Smith-Schuster. Claypool certainly uncomfortable, unnatural there just wasn't working so i mean he was a you know a big guy that that made a couple of plays um had a really strong rookie season but never really you know was able to build off of that so um i don't know if it hurts this offense too tremendously much i hopefully there's going to be some emphasis on using the middle of the field more with a guy like steven sims who's going to replace chase claypool inside in the slot um pittsburgh's not done a good job to create yards after catch opportunity for johnson for pickens for chase claypool when he was with pittsburgh they've not used the middle of the field enough and that's really been limiting their offense to be frank with you i thought the steelers absolutely fleeced the bears yep they got a second 100%. they got a they got a second round pick for them and i i would have offered no more than a sixth i mean that's me i would have offered no more than a sixth uh i all right i was shocked i was shocked to see a second yeah. and, and apparently that was the market green bay was offering a two chicago offering a two i mean that is a home run deal for omar khan and andy Weidel. no question i totally agree alex Okay, why Harris? Why the struggles with Harris? Yeah, I know he had a, an injury in the preseason. Okay, but that's not the case now. Why is he struggling? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think 
I, I don't want to put all the blame on the injury, but it certainly didn't start your sophomore season off on a good note. Plus, he, he either aggravated that foot injury or something new in week one against the Bengals, and that's kind of been underreported. He had a steel plate in his toe or in his shoe for, for a little bit. That's now been removed. I mean, the offensive line has not you know done anyone favors either. My guess is, and I'm kind of speculating, trying to get inside Harris's mind here a little bit. He's his own biggest critic. He's um, very self-aware, and I think he's just trying to press a little too much and do a little too much. You see that Eagles game, there weren't any holes open for him early, a really miserable first half, and then he gets the ball in the second half. He's trying to dance and, and make the big play every single time. He's got to be able to hit the single, the double occasionally instead of trying to go for the home run. It's not really his style. So um, he's got to play to a size, play downhill, be more north-south. I think that's just been tough for him because he recognizes how much this run game has struggled, and he's trying to bust off that big run, and it's really hurting him more than it's helping him. Warren's playing better than he is. Why isn't Warren playing more? Because he's not the first-round pick, you know, and and the the goal is to try to get Harris back on track. But Warren has certainly increased his role throughout the season, and we'll see what happens coming out of the bye. There's some rumblings and potential, you know, rumors that Warren may see an increased amount of snaps. I mean, he's taken over as a third-down back, Jalen Warren has, for the last month-plus. And so Harris, who was a really strong pass protector last year, hasn't been the case this year. Warren is really shy. But you're right. I think schematically, based on the way the Steelers' offense is built right now, Warren is the better fit. He's north-south. He's a big bowling ball. He runs hard. He gets what's there, and he pushes the pile forward. And that's what this offense needs. So um, Harris either has to play to that style into his frame, or else Warren, I think, will continue to increase his role and presence in this offense. Just from... 30,000 feet and a personal observation. The Steelers are not a fun team to watch. I mean, they're not fun to watch. No, they're miserable. It's, it's really bad. I mean, there's been bad seasons in the past. You know, 2019 was bad when Ben went down, but that defense yeah. was a lot of fun to watch because it right. was so exactly. elite and really tried to carry the load. Um, yep. This 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 offense has just been just absolutely miserable. Yeah, no, I mean, they're not... And this game... Boy, you know what? They're going to draw a really good rating for it because the Steelers always draw a good rating. But New Orleans and Pittsburgh, Alex, there are not a lot of great matchups in this league. I mean, I, I kind of, after the basketball game last night, yeah, five minutes ago I turned on the Amazon Prime game last night. And I'm like, ah. I mean, Carolina and Atlanta, it really was not, I don't know, intriguing, fun, any I mean, anything. I, I just feel like the league is is on the fun scale down this year. Yeah, I think you've seen a lot more parody. I mean it's kinda of getting to that it's so bad it's good kind of kind of yeah. metric that we're at with with that game last night. Mariota throwing from his back for some reason just kind of sums up uh their season his play but yeah with pittsburgh i mean it's been it's been tough and you i mean what really sums up the Steelers' season the most is they were going to play next week on sunday night against the Bengals. they got flexed out when did the Steelers ever been flexed out because pittsburgh was bad and then the week after they play the colts so it'll be the colts steelers on monday night i mean talk about not one that's probably going to do tremendously well ratings-wise, although Pittsburgh generally carries well. But, yeah, you've seen a lot of parity this year. You've seen things be closely contested. I mean, the NFC South, the Saints could, in theory, lose this game, drop to 3-7, and seven, and still be in the mix to win the I NFC know. South, which really sums up how bad that division is. I know. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right about that. That's, yeah, um, that's a really good point. Because, I mean, that di- boy, that division's bad. Yeah, Jeez. really bad. I mean... 
was it Tampa Bay is the leader at what four and five? I think so. I mean, the leader in a technical sense. I mean, it's like 2020 when what Washington won the East at seven and nine. That's kind of the feel yeah. this year. Yeah, and then there was that one year Seattle was seven and nine. They ended up getting New Orleans at home, um, and actually won the game, and then went to Chicago and got blasted. Um, um, so. Alex, always great to talk with you. Appreciate your time, your analysis very much. Thank you, guys. Take care.